Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Working can be such a drag, but it's a necessary evil. What better way to combat the woes of the working world than to commiserate with your fellow man? I'm Jay. And I'm Kay. And we're the hosts of Fuck My Work Life, a comedy podcast where we share people's stories from the workplace. Whether they're funny, weird, scary, or just plain messed up, they're always entertaining and may leave you thinking you don't have it so bad after all. Available on all major podcast platforms. Give us a listen. Your sanity may just depend on it. Welcome to the Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy podcast. I'm Declan, the son. And I'm Jane, the mom. This is the podcast where we talk about brutal crimes, bizarre occurrences, and get you drunk with cocktails themed around one of our stories. To lighten things up, we'd like to end our time with a chaser. Please keep in mind some of our stories might be upsetting to young or sensitive ears. We love hearing from our listeners, so feel free to contact us by email or social media. You can find our contact info in the show notes for this episode. If you'd like to support us through Patreon, you can find us there at Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy Podcast, or use the link in our show notes. Alrighty, Mom, what story do you have for us today? Today, I'm going to be talking to you and everyone telling the story about the Murdoch family murders in South Carolina. Yeah. Not the recent one, right? Yes, it is. Oh, shit. Yes, it is. Yep. <laughs> okay. Cool. I wanted to know about that. I just saw the headlines and I was like, I don't want to read that shit. Yeah. Well, now you get to hear all about it. What are you going to be yeah. telling us about today? I'm going to be talking about the Atlov Pass. Oh, this one's so wild. Okay. Yeah. And it was recently just like a new theory was released in 2020. Really? Or oh, I don't know if I, yeah, I don't know if I know about that new theory. Okay, I'm excited not to hear as, about that. Not as cool as you're thinking it is, but I'll be talking oh. about some other theories along with okay. it. But well, that's good. To go with this uh, story, I've got, I found this drink online, and it's called Russian cider. And as you could guess, oh. it's just vodka and cider. <laughs> the drink calls okay. for one ounce of vodka and two ounces of cider, but I just eyeballed mine because I had like, I have the little bottles of Martinelli's. So, gotcha. Okay. So, but you're I, using normal cider, right? Instead of sparkling. Well, yeah. You had sent me the recipe and I didn't know the name, but you just sent me the recipe of vodka and cider. So I just went and got regular cider. I didn't think to buy mm. sparkling cider, which I could I have probably. Yours would probably fit the story better though, because cider Maybe. is typically like a warm drink. It, drink mm, it to like sometimes. warm yourselves up and these guys definitely yeah, need to be warmed up. True. <laughs> but I just, I did it over shaker and over ice in a glass with ice. So. The vodka warm you up. Either way, it's a warm drink. That's true. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Okay. Right. Let's give it a shot or a drink. Delicious. It just tastes like cider. <laughs> yeah. I just taste apple. I don't taste. Yeah. Me really... too. It's like a- apple juice for adults. Yeah, it's got a little bit of the vodka 
to the end of it, but it really just tastes more like cider. Than... I don't taste any vodka in mine. That's in but trouble. Like two and a half shots in there. Oh, well, but it, I did. The little bottle of Martinelli's is like six or seven ounces, I think. So mm-hmm. it's. I tried to do stick to a one to like two ratio, but I just eyeballed it. I think I would have preferred a sparkling cider because I think it would just give it a little, you know, pizzazz or something. Mine literally just tastes know. like apple juice, like straight from the box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but with this, if it were sparkling, it could be just a little bit up, you know, a little zing with the sparkling. Yeah, bubbles help carry the the drink. I could have, I could have made like a little sparkling water and topped it off with that and then i bet it would be even probably, yeah, more fun pretty good yeah Okay, so, so tell me about the, the pass. Yeah. Yes. So, Igor Dyatlov was a 23-year-old engineering student from Ural Polytechnic Institute. He was an experienced hiker and long-distance skier. He was planning a 16-day trip to the uh, Ortian Mountains. This trip is one that had never been completed before, so the group was mapping out a good route. Route. Whatever. Igor assembled a group of nine experienced grade two hikers to accompany him on this trek. And I didn't, I don't know about this, but apparently, I don't know if this is a thing in America, but in Russia, they have like grades. So like, I, like scuba cert- certification or something oh. like that, where you have to like prove that you, you have to do like a, uh, a category one hike to get a grade one hiker. Okay. So there's like hikes are categorized by like numbers one, two, three, getting difficult, more difficult the higher up they go. Okay. And so like, I all these people were grade two hikers. They were all students um, at the same school as Igor. Is there a negative grading to the hiking score? Because I would maybe be a negative five. I think we'd be at zero. I don't know if it goes negative. (laughs) I'll take zero over a negative number. Okay. All right. Go on. So the route that Igor had mapped out was classified as a category three hike. So all hikers would become grade three hikers once they've completed it. Okay. At the time, grade three was the highest certification available to the Soviet Union and required oh. candidates to traverse 300 kilometers, which is about 190 miles. It's a fucking long distance on foot, man. Yeah. Even if you're skiing it. Ugh. But they're they're doing this in the snow. It's not like they're just doing this in like nice terrain where there's, you know, kind of up and down and, <laughs> and you can like you know pause to take a drink of your water just <laughs> sit down on a rock or something you're in the snow right yeah they're long Fuck distance that. skiing for this so they're uh 
No. Kind of kind of a little bit easier than walking, but still that's if you're carrying all their gear and shit like yeah, it's got to be tough. I'm amazed at people who want to do stuff like that. Like it's I just kind of it fun like occur to me. What dad and I did, but now that I can drive, right. it's like I'd much rather just drive my truck to the campsite and just uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't want to hike there with a backpack full of like a tent and uh, yeah. no. It was pretty fun though. I I would do it again, I guess. A few days before the group set out on their expedition, the university. Uh, few days before the group set out on their expedition, the university randomly added an additional hiker who is believed to have been a part of the KGB. He had some like. He had a really weird resume, like and wow. gaps in his resume that are consistent with KGB members. Mm. So, oh, yeah. So. Why? Why would they do that? The uni- university never told them. They they been asked many times, and the university never really? said. They're just like, yeah, we're adding this guy. Do. So. The original group of nine hikers, they were all between like 20 and 25. So they're all college students. And this guy that got added was like 46, I believe. So just some random old guy they put with. And he had a bunch of like strange tattoos and stuff. Okay. Wait a second now. Older guy. Sorry. Not old. Older guy. Older guy. Sorry. (laughs) Thank you for restating that because you almost got disowned. So uh, while they're getting ready for the hike, one of their I, I, one of their members had uh, health complications and dropped out last minute. I think they were okay. already on the hike when it really affected him, but he just oh okay. Yeah, so he like I think on the first day he tapped out um, because of uh, some joint issues. So he okay. turned back and he's the only one from the group to survive. Surprisingly, <laughs> well, yeah, that's his good. joint that's saved his life. Okay. <laughs> on the twenty third January, oops. On the twenty third of January, nineteen fifty nine, the group of nine hikers set off on their expedition. However, this would be the last time their friends and family would see them. Before leaving, Dyatlov had agreed. Oh, Jesus. Before leaving, Dyatlov had agreed he would send a telegram to the college on February 12th to inform them of their succession. When the 12th came around and no telegram had been received, the family of the hikers demanded a search be initiated. But it's pretty common for these types of tough treks to go a couple days extra, but a search was initiated eight days after the 12th. So on the 20th, the search was initiated. Okay. What the search party found is still a mystery to this day. On the 26th of February, the searchers found the group's abandoned and badly damaged tent. So it was found uh, like 14 days later is when they even found the site. Okay. Inside and around the tent laid all of the group's supplies, including boots, skis, clothes, and even a prepared meal. Their tent had been cut from the inside. Huh? The food was cooked? 
And yeah, like, it was all cooked and like set out on a plate or tray or whatever they were eating off of. Mm. It was like ready to be eaten food. Wow. Yeah. I did not Their know that. Okay. Had been cut from the inside and the footprints mm. of nine people in socks led in all directions for several hundred yards before disappearing. Around 1,500 yards to be exact. Really? Yeah. Okay. The first two bodies were discovered near a tree and a half-burned fire. The bodies were wearing only underwear, and the tree next to the body had pieces of torn clothing and flesh hanging from its branches. Some of the branches were broken off and, like, laying on the ground next to the tree, too. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. One of the bodies had suffered third-degree burns. However, it was determined that both had succumbed to hypothermia. But a piece of flesh missing from uh, one body's hand was discovered inside its own mouth. What? Yeah. <sighs> so I the person chewed themselves? Just... Took a big old bite bite. out of themselves. I can't. I can't explain why anyone would want to. Okay. Hmm. That's weird. So the other body, not the one that bit his own hand, uh, had significant burns on one side of their head. And this is the third degree burns that you mentioned? Uh, Both. um, Yes, actually. Yeah, that was the. Okay. No, I think only one of them had third degree burns, but the other one had like some burning on their hair and stuff. Nothing like too crazy, but one of them had like legit burns. Mm. The search party found three more bodies around the tent a few days later, one of which had a fractured skull. Mm. Okay. So... Uh, five bodies had been discovered at this point, the two by the tree and then three uh, laying in the snow kind of around the tent, closer than the, the original two that were found. Okay. And the other four missing bodies were discovered buried under 15 feet of snow about two months after the search had been initiated. Oh. Each body had suffered severe injuries consistent with like car crashes and bombs going off. That's weird. Yeah. So one Hmm. body had suffered a head injury so bad that a piece of their skull was found inside of their brain. Ooh, shit. Yeah, so pretty fucking severe head injury. Another body that was found was missing their lips. What? Uh, One body was missing its eyes and its tongue. And the final body had been crushed and their rib cage was caved in. And it was determined that uh, a majority of like the the lip and the eyes missing were post-mortem. Oh. Oh, okay. So like an animal could have scavenged it. But they were buried under 15 feet of snow. Valid point. Okay. But it was also two months after they had been found. So yeah. maybe... They Maybe right I, after they died, an animal scavenged, and then there was a snowstorm or an avalanche. 
maybe. Shit we'll happened. Okay. All right. So, it was said that their injuries are consistent mostly with a bomb going off, which will also come into play huh. in a little bit. Okay. And to make things even weirder, all of the bodies contain very high levels of radiation. And some oh. claim that the bodies were in even a strange tan color. That's, yeah, that's not in the official report, though, but there's been people that have come out in the past years and said, like, oh, a bunch of weird things were happening with these people. Oh, my God. So a majority of the film captured by the group was collected and destroyed by the Russian government. So of course it was. They'd been taking pictures of their entire journey, and a majority of the pictures were burned. Oh, God, the, I want to know what that was. The investigation was, we'll get into a couple, Okay, these are the ones that they even talked about, but right. so the investigation was wrapped up fairly suddenly, claiming an unknown compelling force was the cause of their death. That was the quote from the report, is that an an unknown compelling force. The fuck does that mean? (laughs) What the fuck? What is that? Okay. All right. So let's look at some theories. Most (laughs) credible theory, in my opinion, is um, radioactive Russian weapons. So a KGB veteran came forward claiming that the government was testing a new bomb that carried a radioactive isotope called 5-sulfur phosphorus. And at the base of the mountain where the hikers were found, they were testing these bombs. Oh, oh, whoops. Sulfur compounds escaped the body very quickly in around three to five minutes. So that would explain why none was detected in the body. But this is still a radioactive isotope, so it would probably leave the radiation. I don't know this science shit, but I'm guessing it would leave the radiation behind and the fucking phosphorus would dissipate into the, the atmosphere oh. or something. But I don't know. Huh, interesting. That's my favorite theory. I. But there's a couple more that I found. And another theory is literally out of this world. The day of the tragedy, several glowing orange orbs were spotted in the area by both locals who were closer to the incident and hikers that were about 30 miles away. Notice like three to four orange glowing like lights in the sky that were heading towards that area. UFOs. And one of the last pictures ever taken by the group was a cluster of strange-looking lights in the night sky. It was just like a black background with a couple and like a strange pattern. So obviously that that picture wasn't burnt in their mass, like, destroy the evidence. Oh, interesting. It definitely makes you wonder if that... If that image survived, what the what fuck did they there? destroy? What did they destroy? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good question. That's a good fucking question. <sighs> That's horrifying. And an interview with the head of the search party claimed that the tops of the trees in the area were burned. Just the tops. <sighs> yeah. Interesting. A little, uh, I don't believe this theory as much, but many speculated that the Yeti may have been involved. 
Some of the okay. film that was released contained an unusual mass in the tree lines that was not presently seen by investigators actually like searching <sighs> for them. So who knows what that? No. Nope. Yeah, I don't. Nope. I'm but, I'm out. Uh uh-uh. uh. Nope. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> the leading theory right now uh, comes from 2019, and that's when it was started. And I believe it, the their official report came out in 2021. Or 2022, okay. either or, but it doesn't really matter. But a there's a form of avalanche that's very rare called a slab avalanche. And okay. it happens when there's a, sh- a layer of thick, dense ice, and underneath it, there's a layer of weaker ice. And so it's said that uh, when they cut into the mountain to lay their tent on a flat surface, that they exposed this weaker part and that came down on their tent and they had to cut their way out but okay it wouldn't really cover the rest of the things that happened to their body that were weird like yeah head injuries and i guess that missing lips it would cause head injuries and fractures and broken ribs and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but i don't think it's going to take your lips off Nah, and you, it wouldn't, I wouldn't definitely wouldn't so. make you radioactive. That's for sure. <laughs> no, nope. no, it would not, not at all. Uh, wow, that's right, wild. This, uh, this brutal story you got. The all right, the Murdoch murders. So, this uh case is at the request of Emily. She specifically said, Our friend Emily said, Do the Murdoch family murders. And I was like, All right, she actually asked for this a couple of months ago, and the case was still uh actively being heard in. In trial. And so I waited until everything was done because I can't just be like, ah, it's still in court. So it's no longer in court. I mean, there could be new hearings on it, but we'll get to that. So this is the story from South Carolina. For over 100 years, a family reigned supreme over the region. They were so well-known in their area, many people referred to the geographical area as the family's country. For several generations, they had their hands in the legal arena, both in civil matters and criminal cases. Rumors regarding their negative influence had been circulating for decades. The most recent generation brought immense amounts of scrutiny when people started dying, and it appeared like the family and their influence allowed for facts to be hidden and witnesses to be coerced. Sorry, who who was he again? Why what how did he have power? We're going to get to that. Okay, okay. Yeah. This is a, not a story from a country ruled by kings or queens, but from South Carolina in the US, where a family had such a large influence that the locals referred to it as Murdoch country. 
Wow. So. Sounds like a fucking movie. <laughs> I, well, you know you're going into Murdoch country, boy. Country. Right. <laughs> oh, the Murdoch family is a well-known family in South Carolina coastal region known as the Low Country. Multiple members of the family have been lawyers in the region for over 100 years. The patriarch of the family, Randolph Murdoch Sr., founded a large civil firm in 1910, and he also served as an elected prosecuting attorney known as the solicitor. So this region is different from like from Oregon, where you have a county prosecutor that's Mm -hmm. just for like Klamath County or Lane County or Multnomah County. This is basically they elect a prosecuting attorney, but for this area, it's over five total counties. I don't know why it's different. Um, And there's not a restriction on them having like other outside jobs. I don't know. It was really strange. And it took like, I'm so used to what we do here that, you know, we have the prosecuting attorneys, they do their job and we have the defense attorneys and they do their job. They don't co-mingle, but apparently in South Carolina, they kind of co-mingle a little bit, not necessarily defense attorneys, but civil law, which is different. So you can own a, you can be a civil attorney and do like personal injuries and civil law. But then this guy was also a prosecuting attorney going after criminal cases. So he was like sitting next to one guy. And then when it was the term, like time for rebuttal, he'd run over to the other desk and sit with. (laughs) (laughs) No, because. Because civil law doesn't, it's two attorneys going against each other, not a prosecuting attorney. A prosecuting attorney is like criminal law, but usually civil attorneys don't have anything to do with criminal attorneys in criminal law. It was, it was a little different. So apparently in South Carolina, it's different. I don't know if that's true for any of the other states over there on the East Coast, but it's definitely different than what Oregon does. And it like I was like, what is I was really confused because we don't call no one in in Oregon is called a solicitor. But in South Carolina, a solicitor is basically the elected uh, prosecuting attorney. So basically in here, it would be the district attorney. I thought a solicitor was someone trying to sell you like newspapers and shit. Uh, Well, that yeah, that's another if because. You know, in the English language, we have to (laughs) multi-purpose names and confuse the fuck out of everybody. So, yeah. anyway. So the patriarch of the family, Randolph Murdoch Sr., founded a civil law firm in 1910. And he also served as the elected elected prosecuting attorney known known as the solicitor. Randolph Sr. not only passed down his name to his children, because there were like Randolph junior randolph the second randolph the third uh he also passed on his careers so subsequent members of the murdoch family maintained the law firm the civil law firm uh also and then also served as a prosecuting attorney 
that elected office was held by the family from 1920 to 2006, almost 100 years. So there was, yeah, there was essentially a Murdoch as the district attorney or prosecuting attorney for 100 years, which is pretty wild. It is. During the entire time, the civil law firm, which now specializes in personal injury cases, also operated. So basically, the family was working on both sides of legal battles, civil and criminal, which is pretty unique. I mean, there are like my dad was an attorney. He did civil cases and criminal cases, but he didn't do the prosecuting side while he was also doing civil side. So it's a little different. But the family has been so influential and prominent in the region that locals often refer to it as Murdoch country. As with all well-known families, there are bound to be scandals. So we're going to talk about some of those scandals. In 2019, a major incident occurred involving Paul Murdoch. So there's a lot of names. I tried to cut some of the names down because it can be confusing, but Paul Murdoch was the son. Paul was born in April 4th, 1999, and he was the youngest son of, he was the youngest child of Richard, who is also known as Alec, and I'm going to be referring to him as Alec um, throughout this story. Um, Alec and Maggie Murdoch, Paul was their youngest son. Paul has an older brother also named Richard after their father, but was referred to as Buster. So a lot of names, very confusing, but I'm going to be referring to Richard, the dad as Alec and Buster, the oldest son who was also named Richard, but he comes in a little bit later. But remember Alec and Paul at this point. Alec Murdoch. Okay. Yep. Alec Murdoch. So in February 2019, a few weeks before Paul's 20th birthday, Paul and five of his friends were out on the Murdoch family boat. It was evening time and the group took the boat to a friend's party where everyone was drinking alcohol. They actually started drinking beforehand. Paul had gone to a convenience store and bought some alcohol. Although he was not 20, he used his brother's ID. He used Buster's ID and was able to successfully purchase alcohol. So it was the evening time. The group took the boat to the friend's party where everyone was drinking. After the party, the group took the boat to a bar, because you know you haven't been drinking enough, where several of them continued drinking. You Just said they after took the one AM to the bar? Yep. So that's apparently, badass. That's fucking rich money. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna pull so, my fucking boat, bitch. Right. You gotta drive so, home your Honda Civic. <laughs> right. So in this area, um uh, one of the sources that I uh had I think it was on the, I watched a Netflix special. And I think it was on that special that talked about how Paul knew that there was likely going to be law enforcement checkpoints and he's underage 
and he's drinking. So he was like, let's take the boat because they're not going to fucking catch us on the water. Yeah. Give you a BUI instead of a DUI. (laughs) Right. Boating under intoxication. So he wanted the... He wanted to take the boat instead of driving to this party. And apparently in that area, there's a bar right off the dock. So you can like drive your boat down this river and there's a bar right there. I know. Okay. We need to make like a a sonic for boats. Where you pull up on yeah. a dock, you dock your boat, and then someone runs out your <laughs> drinks and your fucking wings or whatever. Right. There you go. Okay. Sure. But let's not bring alcohol into it because shit goes bad real fast when alcohol's involved. I yeah, think that's a good. requirement for driving a boat. I think you have to drink to drive a boat. It's like one of those reverse DUI things. Like you have to blow a point eight to get the boat started. No one drives a boat sober. What the fuck are you talking about? Oh, well, <laughs> in this case, especially if your dad's a fucking lawyer. Oh, come man. on. <laughs> I'm yeah. driving the boat. Well, drunk. come on. We're going to we're going to know. You're going to find out real <laughs> okay. quick what happens with that. After the party, the group took the boat to a bar where several of them continued drinking. Just after 1 a.m., they left the bar and went back to the boat. A few of the friends had suggested getting rides home another way, like grabbing an Uber, basically, uh, rather than taking the boat back, both because it was cold. It's February, so it's in Mm -hmm. like the 50s, but also because Paul was very intoxicated, According to the friends, Paul refused to let anyone else drive the boat because it was his boat. So he was like, no, you're not going to drive my boat. Approximately an hour after leaving the bar, the boat crashed into a bridge and several people were thrown out of the boat. Yeah. One of those people thrown from the boat uh, was Mallory Beach. Mallory and her boyfriend, Anthony, were sitting at the back of the boat when it crashed, and both of them were ejected into the water. 911 was called, and law enforcement soon arrived, but no one could find Mallory. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, the water was really swift in that area, and they looked for her but couldn't find her. Several members of the group were taken to a nearby hospital to receive treatment for their injuries, including Paul and his friend Connor. While in the hospital, Paul's dad, Alec, and his grandfather, Randolph, came down. They were checking on everyone, but several witnesses claim that Alec seemed more concerned with placing the blame of the crash on someone other than Paul. Specifically, Alec wanted Connor to take the blame. Paul was so disruptive that the hospital staff took a sample of his blood and determined his blood alcohol content was 0.286. He tied one on that night. I'm surprised he could Uh, fucking walk to the boat. (laughs) Holy shit. So for those of you who don't know, he was not even 20. He was still 19. 
fuck, dude. So That's crazy. So legal blood alcohol content didn't really apply to him because he was a minor anyway, but That's just the MIP, I guess. <laughs> Well, his blood alcohol was three times the legal limit for operating a motor vehicle, which also included a boat. So, yes, buoy does apply to that boating under the influence because, yeah. There was some concern that Paul was shown favoritism at the scene because he was never given a field sobriety test by law enforcement. He was not handcuffed for being intoxicated they didn't they didn't make any effort to do any kind of legal thing to him they just put him on an ambulance and sent him to the hospital which i mean i kind of understand because you you've got to be focused and they knew for a fact when they got there law enforcement was like mallory's missing we've got to focus on finding this girl so i mean but yet they're there were claims that Paul's dad, Alec, showed up to the hospital and was trying to convince Connor to take the blame. He was trying to alter the narrative of what happened because he didn't want his son implicated in this, you know, accident. So, yeah, he was pulling all the strings with the judges, everything he fucking could. Pretty much. And because remember, they're in Murdoch country there was definitely some things that happened. So the search for Mallory continued, including the use of divers and helicopters. Her body was found a week later, approximately five miles downriver from the crash site. She died from drowning and blunt force trauma. So basically they think she got some kind of a head injury and then drowned as a result of that. Fuck. Approximately... Two months after the accident, Paul was charged with three felony counts of boating under the influence. Those counts included two counts of involving bodily injury and one involving death, and that was for Mallory's death. Mallory's family also pursued a wrongful death lawsuit against the Murdoch family for furnishing alcohol to a minor. Because remember, Paul used his brother's ID to buy the first round of alcohol and to like buy at the bar and stuff like that. So, so that implicated him on them. Yeah. Yeah. Although Paul had been charged with crimes, a trial date had not been officially set by the time the next major incident occurred. On June 20th. Yes, this is Paul. Same guys fucking it up. Okay. Yeah. He's the fuck up of the family. Well, okay. So, I guess not the total fuck up, but no, at first no. it appears to be. So he fucked up that incident, but now he's going to be the victim. Oh. Because, yeah. On June 7th, 2021, over two years after the boating accident, Alec placed a, the father, Alec, placed a 911 call just after 10 p.m. from the family's hunting estate known as Moselle. This area was over 1,700 acres, had dog kennels and a cabin. It was regularly used by the family, and Paul was staying in the cabin. So it was a pretty good-sized cabin. You know, it was decent living accommodations, and he was staying there. 
Alec claimed that he had just returned to the estate from visiting his parents and found his wife, Maggie, and his son, Paul, shot to death outside by the dog kennels. Maggie and Paul had both received numerous gunshot wounds, but both had been shot with different weapons. Law enforcement began investigating the murders with Alec's family members claiming that he had received threats. So they were saying like, yeah, he's been receiving threats from people who, you know, maybe they murdered his wife and his son. Almost three months after the murders in early September, Alec, the father, places another 911 call, but this time it's because he has been shot. Yeah. Okay. Alec reports that he was on the side of the road attempting to change a tire for his car when someone shot him in the head and left the scene. Alec is treated for his injuries, which were reported by one source as, quote, an entry and exit wound, a skull fracture, and minor brain bleeding in two places, end quote. However, two days later, those injuries were listed as, quote, superficial, end quote, when Alec made a public statement that he was leaving his law firm to enter rehab. Yeah. Okay, a bunch of weird stuff happened, apparently. Weird. <laughs> yes. So this was the same law firm that had been founded by his great-grandfather. Alec claimed that the murders of his family had caused such severe stress that he turned to drugs and was seeking treatment for his addiction. Although that would be an understandable reaction for some people, the next day it was revealed that the law firm was actually looking into Alec for the theft of over $1 million. Oh, shit. Yeah. So they talked to him about, hey, there's a million dollars missing. And the next day, he gets shot in the head. Wow. Yeah. It turns out the law firm had confronted Alec about the missing money, notified law enforcement that day, as well as the State Bar Association, all happening the day before he had been shot. About a week and a half later, Alec um, learned that, well, it came out that it had all been a setup. So law enforcement found out that Alex's distant cousin named Curtis Smith was involved. Now, Curtis Smith was not just a random cousin. He also happened to be Alex's drug dealer. And the allegation was that Alec had hired his cousin Curtis Smith to shoot him. Okay. I know. Super weird. <laughs> right. So Alec admitted to the plot, but claimed that it was intended to be an assisted suicide so that his oldest son, Buster, could receive $10 million in life insurance money. 
Apparently, Alec believed that the insurance company would not pay on a policy if Alec had committed suicide, so he enlisted the help of his cousin, Curtis Smith. Okay. However, Curtis Smith's story was different from Alec's. He said that Alex had called him to meet up, and when he arrived, Alec provided a gun and asked him to shoot him. According to Smith, he thought it was a setup. The two struggled over the gun, which accidentally went off, and that is what caused Alex's injuries. Yeah. I don't know who I believe. Both I don't know. sound like bullshit. <laughs> well, both men ended up being charged for multiple counts in in regards to the scheme. So they were like, I, I don't know what happened, but you're both going to get charged for it. So over a month after his shooting and approximately four months after the death of his wife and son, law enforcement officially named Alec as a person of interest in the murders. Although law enforcement claimed that he was always on their radar, it wasn't made public until that time. Even though they were looking at him, he wasn't officially charged with the murders until over a year later in July 2022. We're going to get to that in a little bit, though. But we got to talk about some other stuff first. So during all this time between the murders and when he got charged, Alec was not just minding his own business, sitting pretty and doing his own thing. Uh, he had charges... Uh, he had charges brought against him for the assisted suicide plot. Um, plus, he was getting some additional charges for financial misconduct. Remember that missing $1 million? Yeah. Well, there's going to be some criminal charges. By the end of 2021, yeah, Alec had been indicted for dozens of counts regarding financial crimes, and it was alleged that he stole more than $6.2 million from his victims. Holy shit. Yes. The charges continued to pile up into 2022. By June... He had a total of 81 charges that included money laundering, fraud, breach of trust, computer crimes, forgery, and additional crimes. He was a real gangster out here. Come on. He was. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's Murdoch country. The following month in July, he was officially charged with the murders. The trial for Maggie and Paul's murders began January of this year, 2023. It lasted for approximately a month and a half. During the trial, some information regarding the Murdoch's marriage came out. They had been struggling, shocking, and Maggie had seen a divorce attorney and was looking into their finances. She was staying at the family's beach house, which is about an hour away. The night of the murders, Alec contacted Maggie, asking her to meet him at Mazelle, the family's hunting lodge. He messaged a family, I'm sorry, he messaged a friend, she messaged a friend saying that Alec had asked her to meet at Mazelle so that they could travel together to visit his father who was dying. She reportedly told the friend that Alec was up to something and that he was acting 
quote unquote fishy, but she agreed to the meeting anyway. She would soon be dead. Alec claimed that he had been visiting his mother who was suffering from dementia at the time the murders occurred. One of the key pieces of evidence was actually a video that Paul, the victim, had taken approximately 15 minutes before the estimated time of his murder. The video did not show Alec, but his voice could be heard in the background, which negated his claim that he was at his parents' house. Shit. Yeah. There was also evidence of blood spatter on Alec's clothing, but defense expert witnesses claimed that the spatter was not conclusive regarding Alec having been the shooter. I don't know. So after if all he testimonies, didn't take that video, what? then if he didn't take that video, then he, it would have not been. Well, me. Paul, Paul, the victim, the son mm-hmm. was the yeah. one that took the Snapchat video. So if he hadn't taken that, it, probably would have been excused like okay it was somebody else but he was there 15 minutes before the estimated time of death so they're like you clearly were there yeah Yeah. after all testimonies were heard the jury convicted alec of murdering maggie and paul he was sentenced to two consecutive life terms without the possibility for parole of course he maintains his innocence and he has appealed Uh, the conviction and the sentencing. But we're not done there because the murders were just the tip of the scandal iceberg. So we're going to go back a little bit. In 2015, a young man named Stephen Smith was found dead on a country road due to blunt force trauma. But some sources claim the injuries and the body positioning were inconsistent with him being struck by a vehicle. So they're not quite sure exactly what caused his death. But Stephen had gone to school with Buster Murdoch, the oldest son. And there were rumors that the two of them had been in some kind of a relationship. And that they were trying to hide it. In 2018, the family's longtime housekeeper, Gloria Satterfield, died after a fall at the Mazelle hunting estate. The initial story was that she fell down the front steps after being tripped by the dogs, but no autopsy was done and her death was listed as natural causes, which some people are now saying, why would you list a fall? Even if it was a legit trip and fall. I don't know, but her get those dogs in court right now. (laughs) (laughs) This little shih tzu killed my maid. Right. (laughs) Damn those shih tzus. Uh, Her death played a part in the fraud charges that Alec received because he collected $4.3 million from his insurance company after the death as as an insurance claim. He filed a claim against himself and collected money. The settlement was supposed to go to her sons. But... He sued for the maid dying? Yeah. So he turned in a claim to his insurance company for the maid dying. And the maid paid or the insurance company paid out over $4 million. Supposedly that was going to go to her sons, but they never got the money. So he kept all of the money. What a fucking scumbag. 
They ended up suing him and they received six and a half million dollars regarding the fraud in the long run. But unlimited money glitch. <laughs> yeah. Law enforcement has since. Yeah. Uh, so they have started investigating her death as being more than just a slip and fall. Um, and they exhumed her body. So they're they're still looking into it. Uh, during the murder trial, Alec admitted to a heavy opioid addiction, claiming to have taken over 2,000 milligrams per day, which is about 60 pills a day. Oh, shit. Of Oxy. Yes. Oh, of Oxy. Oh, my gosh. Of that's, Oxy. Yes. That's the strong stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. By April 2023, Alec was still facing... 102 criminal charges relating to drugs, computer crimes, fraud, and financial crimes. Some Dude's of those racking crimes, up charges. He's right. collecting oh, them he, at this point. Yeah, they were just throwing <laughs> them at him. Yep. Uh, he admitted to some of those crimes on the stand during the murder trial, but the outcome of those cases is undecided at the time that we're recording this podcast. So I haven't been able to find anything about those other charges other than the murder trial is set, but he's obviously appealed that. So, you know, who knows what will happen with the, with the appeal, but that's how it stands right now. I don't think his appeal is going to go too well. sounds like they got a lot of evidence on this fucker. Yeah. It's wild. It's That's wild. crazy. Yeah. And it's crazy that it ha- all happened so recently. Like, yeah. I feel like a majority of our stories happened like 30 to 50 years ago. Right. No, this is That's current. Crazy. Yep. This is current. So. Do you have a chaser to lighten the mood? Yes. My chaser is a podcast recommendation for everyone who likes aliens and that sort of topic. It's uh, the Sean Ryan show episode with Dr. Stephen Greer. That's interesting. That one. Yeah. Sean is S-H-A-W-N, Ryan. Oh, yeah. It's super interesting. It's about uh, a doctor who's in charge of informing uh, governmental officials about UFOs that like studies and alien. He just knows everything about UFOs and he doesn't like a I think it's a two and a half or three hour podcast, something like that. And he divulges some very interesting information. It yeah. Might be one of my favorite podcasts I've ever heard. It was very interesting. Yeah. Do you have a rec or not recommendation? Do you have a chaser for us, Mom? <laughs> I do have a chaser. And that chaser is that I have been very excited that we're making plans for our trip to Vegas in June. And I am glad that it's like 
getting closer and closer and the closer he gets to our trip day I'm getting more excited because it's going to be a big fun trip that we're going to take with a bunch of friends and we're going to do cool stuff we're looking at going to the mob museum we're going to do a bar crawl we're going to visit area 15 we're going to do some other stuff I'm okay. super duper most of all one of the things I'm most excited about is that the weather is going to be warm there, hopefully crossing all our fingers and toes, because it's been so cold here lately, and we've had such a long winter. I'm super excited to be going to the pool and hanging out in the sun and hanging out with friends and doing cool stuff. So if any listeners out there have any other recommendations of fun stuff to do in Vegas, please let us know, because... Declan's going, we're going, it's going to be a big group of people. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So we're super excited for that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. That's for sure. Yes. Vacations are always awesome. Yes. All righty. Well, I enjoyed hearing about those, that crazy motherfucking lawyer. That. <laughs> That's a wild family. Could you imagine being that fancy and having that much influence? I don't have any Not influence. When I thought you started this story, I thought it was going to be like an old boy situation, but <laughs> not as well, fucked like, up. <laughs> it is an old, it's a hundred years worth of old boys in this one community. And they just kept using their influence to further hide their shitty things that they were doing. So true. It's, but it backfired because now he's in prison, so. Yeah, which is good. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you murder your wife and child, you should go to prison. Yep, definitely. It's fair definitely. trade. Yeah. But thanks for telling that crazy story about the Diatlov Pass. I, I didn't know some of those details, so it was really... Interesting to hear that. Weird Thank you. Stuff going on there, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I love you, Mom. I love you too, bud. Bye. Bye. Hey friends. Thank you for supporting our podcast. Please share our show with your brutal and bizarre friends. Give us a boozy follow on your favorite podcast platform. If you're feeling extra generous, we'd appreciate a five-star rating or review as well. But maybe do that sober so all the letters are in the right place. You can find all our contact information in the show notes. We love hearing from you, and if you're interested in helping us stock the bar for our future boozy episodes, you can find our Patreon link in the show notes as well.